What's up, Magic fans? You've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, and how payday can come every day by entering their contests with huge catch prizes up for grabs. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night, and it's simple to do. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with the DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to users across all sports. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there's a, there is no better place to get in on all the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up code using THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Live from Orlando, Florida, you're now listening to the Ozone Podcast, the voice of Orlando Magic fans. Join us every week for a unique fan perspective on all of the latest Magic news and updates. The show starts now. Welcome back to another episode of the Ozone Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings and now part of the Basketball Podcast Network. We're your hosts, Al, myself, Anthony, and today is July 16th. And uh, we're about 13 days away from the NBA draft. And today we got a special guest joining us from the Penny and Pops podcast, Adam Papa Giorgio. What's going on? Uh, it's a pleasure to be on here with you guys. And uh, yeah, it, it gets excited now where we're within two weeks away from the draft. It, it really starts picking up. Yeah, we are so, so close. And there's so many different mock drafts that's going on. Um, a lot of different words from different workouts that's happening. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that later on in this episode. But before we get to that, Adam, for those that aren't familiar with you, um, explain to us exactly what's your what's your tie-in with the Magic, your experience, and uh, you know, tell us how you became a fan. Well, I am born and raised in Orlando. Uh, the franchise is about as old as I am, so... Uh, you know, I'm 33. So, I mean, the franchise is about that, that old, depending on, on how you count it. But I mean, I've been a magic fan since I could put memories together, which I mean, it, it, I mean, Shaq showed up in 92, so I would have been four years old. So that, that's pretty good timing right there. But uh, it's, it, it was easy to be a magic fan at a young age. I've been through some good times. I've been through some bad times and you know, I've, I started I started my own little blog when I was at the uh, University of Central Florida and then from there I got uh I got picked up by uh by the old owner of magicbasketballonline.com Brian Sarah to do some writing back in uh 2012 after the Dwight Howard trade and so I got to see a lot of bad magic teams and got to cover a lot of bad bad, bad magic teams for about 5 years and the only thing that's kind of held over from those days is is the Penny and Pops podcast. So it's it's fun doing that, and it's exciting to see so many uh, other Magic podcasts kind of sprouting and, and succeeding. Hopefully, if the team gets better, then th- that means more success for guys like you. As soon as the team gets better, it makes it a lot easier. That's for sure. Now. Now, let me ask you. So it's interesting, right? Because when it comes to like the workouts and some of these teams um, having interviews with these players, um, just recently there was a there was a report that came out that Dwayne Casey, um, the head coach of the Detroit Pistons, was asking his interview questions with some of the players. And one of the interesting questions that kind of got a little of attention was he was asking these players if they made their bed in the morning. So, Adam, I'm going to ask you. When you wake up in the morning, do you make your bed? 
And his his philosophy is that if a player does make their bed in the morning, that's the first thing that they do. He said that it can indicate whether or not they set the tone for their day and if they're an organized individual. Do you make your bed in the morning? I do, but it doesn't require much effort for me. Like I, I'm, not, I'm not, I'm not that hard of a sleeper, so it's just kind of I just gotta you know fix my comforter on top and I'm good. So that takes like 30 seconds. So I guess it just depends on uh, on your on your bed situation. You know, it's like how much of an effort is it to to, to organize organize your sleeping situation? But it's a very interesting question. There. Throughout the years, and anybody can look online for certain questions that happen with with draft prospects. That, you know, some people get asked some very weird, weird stuff. Uh, this isn't weird per se. It's just kind of just a, a kind of an odd question that if they do even throw out to, to draft guys, maybe he was he was messing around with the media, but with that response was Casey. But I, I I don't think it equates to to what Dwayne wanted to to equate to. I think you know putting your bed together in the morning, it's, I don't know, it's kind of like an automatic thing in my mind. Yeah. You don't, you don't necessarily have to be organized and make your bed. I will say that I'm the opposite. I don't make my bed in the morning and I'm super unorganized. So that, that would go the opposite (laughs) on my end. Al, if you're interviewing somebody, if you're interviewing a player, what out of the box question would, would you ask? I feel like in a job interview, like an out-of-the-box question would be, sell me this pen. How would you sell me this pen? I feel like that would kind of fall in the same line of, you know, do you make your bed in the morning? But what would be a question that you would ask? See, you caught me off guard because I was going to ask that question to Adam. So I'm trying to think here to my <laughs> manager days when I used to interview applicants. But I, I would go with a simple, basic one, you know, because I want to see what the player thinks of himself. So I would go with something as simple as, hey, where are you going to be in five years from now as a player? So just kind of give me some direction as to what do you think you can become? as an NBA player that it's not a, as, as a wacky question as the Dwayne Casey one. Um, but I'll throw it back to you, Adam, cause I had to say for you, but what about you? What would you ask kind of as, as a wacky question to a, to a future NBA player? So I, I have a, in my actual job that I get paid to, to, to actually live off of, you know, I, I I'm in HR. So, I mean, I, to, if you really want to throw a person a loop, you just simply ask them what their weakness is and just kind of step back and, and see how they react to that. Because the way somebody responds to that, it can go a million ways. It depends on whether or not they want to be honest. Like if it, if it's me, I'm giving you one of my strengths as my weakness. And then you just got to got to know that I have no weaknesses. Right. So with, with so you're kind of answering it how you kind of supposed to answer it in a way. Exactly. But it's also they kind of want to look at you to see if you're a liar or if you're a good liar or if you're a motivated person or a very unsure person. There's a lot of ways you can go into that when you ask that question. Or you can be an individual that can accept vulnerability. Now we're getting deep. Hey, Damn. they if they ask deep questions. <laughs> you ready to give deep answers. Our, I, listener, I, our listeners got a free uh, little uh, lesson today from Adam about <laughs> HR questions. And so that's a freebie from us today. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even in like talent recruiting or anything, but like that's something <laughs> that, that's something that anybody goes goes through. And in any type of occupation you get involved with, let alone trying to make millions of dollars in the NBA, that's a question that you got to be prepared to answer. Now, Adam, what do you think? Do you think that when it comes to interview questions, how much weight do you put in? Um, in how that process goes. So, for example, if a player like 
number one projected number one draft pick, Kate Cunningham. If he he goes out and he kills his workout, he's already projected number one, but he absolutely bombs his interview. Do you feel as if that process alone um, would impact maybe a front office decision to take him number one? I mean, I think some front offices like the one, you know, like like the current Magic one with you know Jeff Weltman and John Hammond. I think it does. Uh, it you know, the magic, they go for good character people overall. So part of that is being able to answer questions in a, in a, in a respectable manner for the most part. Um, I think it does. Now, this is a weird situation because I think most people would say that Kate Cunningham and Jalen Green are, are by far the top two guys. So it's, there's, there's a weight aspect to it, but I, I think it would impact for sure. I, I personally, look, I don't care how talented you are. If, you don't seem like a, a stable individual or someone that can handle like the pressures of having a franchise on your shoulders. I'm going to factor that in. Yeah. And I think that the perfect example of that is there's been a lot of talks of who the magic are going to select number five. You know, people in the beginning was automatically assumed that Kuminga would fall to that number five, but we've been seeing a lot of Scotty Barnes possibly making it into that top five. And I think that if you are in a position where you kind of don't know where you're going to land at that five or who to go with, you know, that could be that one extra step that might put it over the edge. Now, recently, we had the really big news where we decided that, hey, we're going to hire Mr. Jamal Mosley as a head coach of the Orlando Magic. So since our last episode, there's been a lot of media coming out from Jamal Mosey with his press conference, with uh, the interview that he had with the pod squad and also recently with um, the Woj pod. Um, what were some of your takeaways? Now, Adam, I'll, I'll go with you first. Um, from the press conference, what are some of the things that stood out to you? What did you like? Um, what was your feeling in regards to now hearing a little bit from the new coach? Look, I would say 99% of Magic fans had no clue who Jamal Mosley was until a couple weeks ago. So no, in situations where where you're a very low-profile candidate and you get a job like a head coach in the NBA, you have to win the interview to begin with. That opening interview, and I thought he crushed it. I thought he hit it out of the park. I, I thought he said what we what Magic fans needed to hear. He said what probably the players in the roster and, and, you know, and at least the current magic roster needed to hear as well, as far as just his attitude, his approach, he, he broke down defensive offensive philosophies or insights in a very simple manner. And he didn't leave much doubt in my mind as far as what he wants to do. Now he's got to go out and do the hard part and actually do it. But everything that he said, uh, you know, probably the one thing that was maybe a negative and it's not even a negative. It's more of, uh, you know, when he, when he was whipping out the term family a lot, you know, we, we got out on Twitter, all those fast and the furious, you know, Vin Diesel, those family <laughs> memes out there, you know, that, that was running through my head. But I mean, other than that, it's, I, I heard what I wanted to hear and I didn't, I, I couldn't have, have expected him to do any better than that. I, I can recall when Jacques Vaughn got hired by the magic in 2012, because a lot of people are going to, are going to compare, Jamal Mosley to, to Jacques Vaughn, be it correctly or incorrectly. And just Mosley's energy. And I mean, look, people called Jacques Vaughn the Prince of Positivity for a very long time as well. But uh, just Mosley's approach 
is is different from Jacques Vaughn's, and it's one that I, I would feel optimistic for what he could potentially do with this roster. Where maybe when we first heard of the Mosley hiring, you you couldn't say that necessarily. We heard a lot of teaching. We heard a lot of educating. He was very, very positive. I would agree. I heard the word family about 900 times. <laughs> um, the only thing that I would say that wasn't too crazy of, and I expect it because I feel like this is kind of the way that the just the front office rolls, is that he was really sticking to talking points. And granted, it's the first introductory press conference. You kind of expect it. Um, one of the things I really didn't like is I really didn't like the the words that he was saying was great, but I felt like the responses were really, really short. And it wasn't until we got to the 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 pod squad interview that I felt like you were able to kind of see um, his personality a lot more. He felt a little more settled in. And granted, you know, you, you get your first head coaching gig, your first press conference. It's a little anyone can be nervous. And I felt like I heard the nervousness a little bit. Um, but overall i thought it was you couldn't you couldn't really ask for more al what did you think what was what was your reaction same thing same thing that adam said i think he did an amazing job whether he was prepped or not for the interview i'm sure there were some talking points that he kind of stuck to <clears throat> as the interview went along but um like you mentioned a lot of a lot of key words that he kept repeating communication family togetherness um teaching growing together all things that just make sense for this roster right it's a young team they, they got to grow together um, but like you mentioned, he seemed a little bit nervous, a little bit rushed in his responses at the uh, press conference. Then when he went to the, the pod squad, the Woj interview, he kind of got it down. That was his second day on the job. He seemed a little more comfortable. Um, what I really, really liked, and, and I, I don't think you guys touched on this yet, is actually seeing him on the court already with Mo Bamba. We saw that video, and I think the Twitter kind of went crazy because we need a coach that gets a mo that gets a mo right away and, and puts a body on him and teaching teaches him how to position himself on the court. I feel like Mo never learned that in his past three seasons with us. Um so seeing that day two or three on the job was really exciting for me. Um but again he's got to go out there now and prove it. It's it all sounds great. Let's actually now get to get get to it and do the job. I do also want to add there was there there was a huge difference between how he acted in the press conference and the the podcast, especially you know the Orlando Magic Pod Squad. Now for the Magic Pod Squad interview, he did that in person. He did that in the same room with those guys. True, whereas right, for right. the actual presser, it's Absolutely. Zoom calls, and some of the media guys were having problems with with the actual technology too on the Zoom calls. So there, some nerves and kind of being a little flustered. That's. I'm not going to nitpick with that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was in person. And, but I, but I also feel as if, you know, he was able to, to really express himself differently, but again, it's, it's because it was done in person. It was cool hearing his, his stories and, and even with the, the Walsh pod um, talking about, you know, his, his experience and his relationship with Billups and how he became um, in, in the development role and how he came up that way. So if you haven't listened to any of the, if you just listened to the press, the introductory press conference, highly recommend listening to the pod squad and also the, the Walsh pod, because you, you do get a sense of, you get to see a little bit more of his personality. And then just to touch on the, the video that we saw of him working out with, with Mo, um, I loved it, man. The fact that he was actually in there and you can tell that he was like, he was in his element. He was, he was coaching, he was teaching, but he was even getting physical with Mo Bamba. He was giving him the, the elbow and the body and, and kind of showing what he's expecting. And the fact that 
I'm not sure if it was the first person that he worked with. I'm assuming that it is. If you're Mo Bamba, yeah, that that can only be like if that doesn't get him excited, uplifted, um, doesn't get him motivated to want to do more in this new environment, then I really don't know what else could be. But I think that it's a really, really good opportunity for him to kind of grow in and move forward for the season. Um, Adam, what what did you think about about the workout? Is there did, did we kind of touch a bit on anything or do you feel as if he's just doing the exact same thing that Clifford would have done if if he was still coaching the Magic? Well, I mean, look, Mosley's, he says he's 6'8". I think maybe, I don't know if he, he looked maybe, taller. And I think it was the the angle, but uh, I, I don't know. He kind of made look, he, he kind of made Mo Bamba look a little bad, actually, when he was defending <laughs> him. He was, maybe, maybe uh, there's there's some of the MMA kind of training and he's got right. a stronger lower base than, than Mo, but uh, he definitely made Mo work for some of those buckets. So uh, hopefully, again, it, as you guys said, it, it should be encouraging to Bamba. And look, Clifford, he 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 can't he can't post you know play post defense against a, a guy that's a foot taller than him. So in that regard, it, it's I I would assume Jamal Mosley's the the tallest coach in Magic history. I don't think anyone actually mentioned that, but um you know being at six eight he you know i don't think maddie gukas was was that tall but i think he was like six four six six but um yeah no it's it's good that you know it's just showing that he's getting involved right away and you could even see if you're following some of the magic players on on you know their instagrams or social media like some of them you know are are getting into the magic gym and clearly jamal's at least if not working out with them talking to him at least and you know it's it's getting to work quick and then the next step is obviously hiring um, some assistant coaches to to join him on his staff. Um, how do you think the magic, how do you think that they should go with that route? Everything that we've heard, it doesn't sound as if he's selecting his guys. It sounds like it's going to be a collective um, agreement from both the front office and him, and they're all going to decide together. Do you think that they should go towards a more veteran approach? Or do you think that, they may go on specifically only coaches that focus on the same thing that he focuses on, which is the the developing and, and the educating portion. Uh, I'll go for this one. So uh, I actually do have a list of potential candidates here too, but I, at the end of the day, it comes down to who are you familiar with? And Mosley's going to, going to pick, if not all of his, all of his guys on the bench, most of them, it's just a matter of, again, kind of teaming up with, with Weltman and Hammond and kind of just coming to an agreement because, you know, Jamal Mosley's been assistant coach in the NBA for like 14 years. That's, that's a lot of years. That's a lot of coaching staffs where, you know, he was in Denver, he was in Cleveland, and then, you know, he had the most amount of time in Denver and, or in, uh, in Dallas, you know, with the Mavericks under Rick Carlisle. But I mean, there's, you have to mix it up because Mosley's known more as a defensive specialist. So you're going to need some, you know, if you want to do that, you know, pace, space, you know, simple offense type of thing. You got to get some offensive guys. So, uh, you know, I got a couple guys down here, but I mean, you know, Al, you can comment first as, as far as just kind of what, what type of, you know, staff he should put together or how that comes together. But you have to have a good mixture, be it you can have an 80 year old guy as one of your assistants. And then also like a 20 something year old guy, you know, the, the age part doesn't matter. You need guys that can, just that specialize in certain certain aspects that's going to get everything well-rounded at the end. That's what it comes down to. 
Yeah. So I think the, the key for the for him is going to be adding some experience to that bench. Uh, hopefully that lead assistant, you know, somebody who with experience that has a strong offensive um, history in the league. So again, a name that I brought last week, I'm again, not sure how you feel about this, Adam, but was Terry Stotts. I know that was the first name that came up when the magic job opened up. Um, I would go back to that. I think they either work together in Denver or in Dallas. I forgot where it was, but there's some some uh, familiarity there between the two of them. Um, so that's a name that to me is interesting. It, it will make a lot of sense. Now, he would have to get paid, be paid well by the Magic to, for him to sit on that bench and be an assistant um, coach. But that would be a name that to me just makes a lot of sense. Well, there's there's no more NBA coaching jobs available, basically, because we because you know Wes Unseld Jr. is likely going to get the Wizards job, and Willie Green's going to get the Pelicans job. So right. there's, there's some there's two former Magic guys beat on the bench or players, but so unless you know Mike Budenholzer gets fired by the Bucks, um, which that'd be something if if Milwaukee won the won the championship or or you know and Budenholzer still gets fired, but. Uh, yeah, you know, Terry so Stotts. I, I don't know if him and Mosley actually work together, but their but their ties together are through George Carl. So George Carl was the head coach in in Denver when when Mosley uh, got on the bench. But Terry Stotts, who I think he's like sixty three years old, but Stotts was an assistant coach on those Seattle SuperSonics teams with under George Carl, and then also for the Milwaukee Bucks. So from for like about a decade, he was he was he was an assistant in those two places for him. So. There's got to be some type of tight tie in there, and Stotts would be a good pick for lead assistant. And look, you and I aren't writing the checks, so whatever you got to pay him, do it. Pay him, but he's he can clearly run a good offense, and that's that's what we need. You know, whether you question maybe if he can be a head coach for this team, we don't have to worry about that now because when you're an assistant, it's completely different. So that's a good pick. You guys got any other picks for assistants potentially? You know, I, honestly, when we think about who could be the exact opposite and really focus on the offensive side. I really don't see another name that would be considered a, a grade a pick. Um, I think that uh, I, I want to say they had mentioned it during the press conference uh, for the, for the Blazers that I think that his, his Terry Sauce's defense ranked, I want to say it was like 29th in the NBA or it was in the late twenties. It's low. It's, it's low. It's I mean, it's very it's low. J- just look at the, at the score lines for, for those, <laughs> you know, for those teams. But. It, exactly. But the offense was, was in the top 10. And so if you're looking for someone that is directly the opposite, I really don't see another name other than Terry Sass. I think that that would be a, uh, 100% steal and would be a very, very big, big power ammunition um, pick to add to your to your coaching staff. So, I mean, we'll we'll see. Do you expect for them to hire um, the assistant coaches within the next week before the draft, a little bit after? What what would you think would be the the best approach? Al. Well, summer league starting in what less than a month, so you would think you want to have that staff ready at least by the draft. So that means these guys get to town, press conferences, get to the gym, and they head to Las Vegas right away. So I would think in the next two weeks you're going to have a staff in place for the Magic, or at least you hope you hope that's the case. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me if it's by next week. Honestly, now it's going to be interesting to see if the Magic if, if the Magic uh, end up keeping one of Clifford's guys because. Steve Clifford's not going to be an NBA head coach next season. So, uh, you know, a couple, you know, two of those, a couple of those guys come to mind for me, like Pat Delaney or, uh, or Steve Kreutzer. Um, it'd be interesting to see just from 
a familiarity standpoint for some of the guys on the roster if they actually kept one of those guys. I mean, those are really good assistant coaches. If if they don't end up on Mosley's staff, they're going to end up somewhere else one way or another. Um, it was funny because during the press conference too, and also during the you know some of the podcasts he he jumped on did Mosley that you know he kept mentioning two names you know Tim uh, Gergerich and John Welsh as big influences. Now Gergerich I think is on Detroit staff, but he's seventy nine years old, so I, I don't know if if he's going <laughs> to go that route. But Welsh is interesting because that guy is an offensive minded coach. He's fifty nine years old and. Uh, he was on the, you know, he last coached on the Clippers back in 2020. And so he's free, he's available. So I would actually be surprised if he didn't end up on Mosley's squad as a, as a familiar face. And as a guy that he's worked with, you know, in Denver for, for numerous years. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And there's a lot of different directions that they can go. Now you, you bring up an interesting point or more of a reminder. Clifford is not going to be a head coach in the NBA next season. Are you surprised by that? Are you surprised at the fact that he is going to be jobless? Adam? I am personally surprised. Um, now, I think because of the mutual termination, he's technically getting paid by the team next season. So and so yeah, no he, can, he can take the year off, I guess. But I, I'm surprised. I, I really thought in him leaving the Magic uh, that he, he – I thought he was going to get that Indiana job. And then – Rick Carlisle left Dallas and that, and then he ended up in, in Indy anyway. So um, I, I guess it really just goes to show that Steve just did not want to be in a rebuilding situation. He, you know, it's, it's a lot of stress. It's, it's hard losing. It's really hard losing. And, you know, we're going to see what Jamal Mosley now too, if how he handles that, but it, it weighs a lot of coaches down and I, and Clifford just did not, did not want to do it. And it's it surprised me that he's he's not going to be he, he didn't have another head coaching gig lined up. It really is. Yeah, hopefully Jamal Mosley's positivity can really, uh, you know, hold hold down for for a little while because it's, you know, it's it's kind of a the similar story. We you know the the magic we're we're going to fight. We're young, but you know there's going to be some some tough times on on the way. So we'll see. Now. Mock. Uh, now drafts. Draft is coming up. There's a lot of talks of the first and the second pick, and you know it's it's solidified with Jalen Green and uh, and Kate Cunningham. You know, very very difficult that we we know for a fact that those players aren't aren't going to drop. And you know we're seeing that the Det- the Detroit Pistons, uh, Houston Rockets, um, they're they're really solid and sold on those two. So my question to you, Adam, is who are your favorites? for the fifth and the eighth pick? And should the Magic hold on to both? Is it a good idea for the Orlando Magic to bring home two rookies? I And add them already to a very, very, very young roster. Yeah, I think, gosh, do the Magic have like nine guys under the age of 24? I can't I can't remember now. It's, it's something. It, it, it's it, a lot. It, it's a lot of young guys, but you're in, a, you're in a rebuild and we don't have a bona fide star. So it's one of those where, you know, do you, do you take as many chances as you can on guys that, that, that you draft or do you trade up? I, I would be very surprised if the magic don't trade up, if, you know, if, whether it's, you know, packaging five and eight or packaging five and one, you know, either the, the bulls 2023 pick or, you know, Denver's 2025 pick or another future magic first to move up. Jalen Green's the guy for me. I, I really think Jalen green can still be had. I think it, it's going to take, you know, either take, you know, it's probably, you're going to have to take bad contracts back from either Houston or, or Cleveland in one of those spots. But 
Um, and Houston's got more bad contracts than Cleveland does. It's with Cleveland. It's you either got to take Kevin Love or, or Colin Sexton and Jalen Green's the guy. But if the Magic stay put at five and eight, I am not that big on on Evan Mobley or Jalen Suggs or Scotty Barnes. So for me, I'm looking more towards and I think he's going to rise. I think Moses Moody's going to go is going to rise up how, how high he's going to rise. I don't know if you can get him at eight. Uh, you know, he, he might go before eight, uh, but it's between Moody and like Kaminga for me at five. That's, that's where I'm at. If the magic state put it five is Moody or Kaminga. And I actually like Moody more than Kaminga. Yeah. Moody is, uh, he's, he's just had his workout with the Golden State Warriors. He had posted on, on his, uh, social media that he was having dinner, uh, with the Warriors front office. Um, so he, he could be a player that Golden State Warriors may like and may take with that seventh pick. So if if you're not fully sold on him at five, but you do want him at eight, um, again, Warriors have their eyes on them. Um, now it's 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 interesting. You would really take Moody at five. I I'm big on that guy's skill set. Like he's think about it. he's six five. He's got he covers the wingspan thing. He's got the seven foot wingspan. We've all seen the photo that uh, I can't remember which which NBA guy sent it out, but it's him where he's touching like the carpet all the way up to the top the of his door, door frame. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It's it's insane. And that was back when he was in in high school. But he's he, he's in a, he's a very very good shooter. He co- he is one of the best three point shooters in this draft, and. But he's not like a, a simple three and D guy. Like if you if you watch what he did at Arkansas, like that, and and he's young. That's the other thing is unlike say like Buddy Heald when he came out, I think for Oklahoma, you know, I think he was he was like twenty two years old. This guy's like twenty years old, nineteen years old still is Moody, and he's got the ability to be your go to scorer. I, I really think so, um, and I, I'm I'm just big on Moody. I just. It, it's one of those things where recently I've gone away more from what what draft experts want to tell me is the top guys, and it kind of worked out for me last year because I thought the top guys in last year is draft that were like in at least the, the you know the late top ten range were going to be Halliburton and and R.J. Hampton and Hampton fell, but I think R.J. Hampton is going to be awesome for the Magic. So yep. uh, and, and it worked out that we ended up trading for him, but. I'm I'm a moody guy. I, I am. Um, I don't know you guys. You guys, uh, what are your preferences? So, go ahead. Yeah, go, go ahead, though. So I was gonna say Kaminga. I think is a name that we've seen at five. But as Anthony can tell you, I'm huge on Moody as well. Like I know at the number eight spot, we, we keep talking about Moody or Book Night and all this kind of stuff. I've always said Moody's my guy. Like just watching tape on the guy, he's a shooter. And one thing about the Magic is we don't really have solid shooters. We haven't had solid shooters in forever. He fits that bucket. He plays defense. He's got the wingspan and the body ready for the NBA. So to me, he fills a lot of different buckets that just make sense. Now, is he the guy to pick at five? That's going to be tough because, again, if Kaminga's there, say a guy like Suggs drops, there's so much hype around those guys that from just earlier in the season, the projections of those guys are going to be the top five for sure. Will the front office have the guts to say, you know what, we're going to skip all that and draft a guy that we just feel good about, like Moody, or are they going to feel that pressure to go and, and draft a guy like Suggs just because of the pressure that they, that they have? Um, it's going to be tough. Um, but I, I'm like you, man. I really like Moody a lot. He, he fits again with the team from day one. Um, and at number eight, I'm sold on a bunch of different guys. I, I, that, I can't decide yet on number eight. 
Yeah, and I think this this front office, they've never been the type to feel any type of pressure. They they move at the beat of their own drum and they decide they do whatever it is that they they want to do without without there being any type of pressure. Now, what's interesting is you have the fifth, you have the eighth, but then you also have that 33rd pick. And the 33rd pick is still low enough to where you can still get a quality player out of it. So I I definitely foresee some type of trade happening. Um, I just really hope that we're not worried about Kaminga, we're not worried about Moses Moody, and we find a way to to get into that top three and and try to steal away uh, Jalen Green. Now, just taking a look at the different mock drafts that's out there, USA Today has the Magic selecting Kaminga at five, Jaden Springer at eight, the Ringer has Kaminga at five, and Franz Wagner at eight. Um, NBADraft.net has Scotty Barnes at five, and then Moses Moody at eight. NBA.com, Kaminga at five, Book Night at eight. Wouldn't be mad with that one. NBC NBC Sports has Kaminga at five and Keon Johnson at eight. Now, Adam, if you're not if you're not getting Moses Modi and he's not available, your choices are between uh James Book Knight, Keon Johnson, uh or do any of those names uh, it, are those are those people that you would be happy with? If you miss out on Moses Moody, if you miss out on um uh on the top, you know, the the top three, top four. You mentioned you're not fully sold on on Suggs or or Mobley. You know what would be the best outcome for you? Like what what would what would you take home knowing that you will still be excited about this upcoming season? I mean, is, is Kaminga still available? Because then I'd, I'd probably take him five. Then if that's the case, but uh, I mean, okay. eight, I I'm not a big I'm not a book night guy. Like I, I watch it, and there, there's just there's certain limitations, and he's got that tunnel vision sometimes that gets him in trouble. Like the film looks good, but you also got to look closely against who he's going up against because some some of those guys he's going up against they're they're not they're not pro caliber so that that's the other thing but um, I like Josh Giddy like I, I I keep trying to turn away from it but seeing how Lamelo Ball actually like went through his lumps and he looked like a terrible shooter in Australia and in the NBL and people thought that he was going to be just a complete bust offensively. And to see, you know, LaMelo ball and, you know, rookie of the year and the guy can shoot now all of a sudden and seeing what Josh Giddy can potentially do at his size at six, eight, he's some type of athletic uh, version of Joe Ingles, like a much more athletic version of Joe Ingles where that guy, that that guy can be almost like a in a Hito Turgulu role where he can be the six eight kind of you know wing small forward type guy, but he can run an offense and but at a much faster pace. So it's one of those where look the Magic aren't trying to make the playoffs this next season. So you can take risks on guys that you know maybe you got to either build up their body or you got to build up their shooting. So you know I think Moody would be a home run pick at five and. I like I like Giddy at eight as as a as a guy that has a really high ceiling, and that's what you got to do is you got to take big swings. You got to find your stars, and that's where I'm going with that. I got to ask you, Adams, a follow up question. What are your thoughts on Corey Crispert from Gonzaga? <sighs> He he's great for a team that that's trying to compete for a title. I mean, he's he's basically Joe Harris. He's basically yep. he, he's he's. He's probably better athletically than Joe Harris, actually. I think his athleticism is, is underrated. But, you know, you don't need kind of those secondary pieces on this Magic team. You don't. You need to go get that star somehow. 
if you can get in, you know, getting them through the draft is the best way to do it at the moment until, you know, a trade kind of presents itself. But, you know, I like Kispert, but it's, and he'll probably get picked, you know, late laterally, like maybe like around 11, 12, something like that. But just not for this magic team. Like we don't need just kind of these secondary pieces. We need the magic need guys that, that, that can be all-stars. Just think about adding Giddy. You would have Giddy, Mosley, RJ Hampton, and then also James Ennis, who had experience with um with the Australian League. That'd be a lot of Australian influence um on one NBA roster. That'd be fun to watch. Um now, Adam, we're gonna go, we're gonna jump into our mailbag where we ask um we asked some of our followers on Instagram to submit their questions for today's episode. And one of the questions comes from Omar underscore OMD underscore, where he asks if trading into the top three isn't available, would you trade out for a young player like Sexton? Would that be a good route for the Orlando magic? I, I wouldn't do it. Uh, not for Sexton. Cause I, look, I, I would do it. And I don't consider you know, Sexton, a potential star. Like I'd still, I'd rather have Fultz over Sexton. I'd rather have, I'd rather give those minutes to RJ Hampton and Cole Anthony. Like I'd rather, Colin Sexton, very good player. Like just really, really high motor, just works for everything. He's, he's, he just hustles just amazingly. It's, it's insane. Just kind of that attitude, but he rubs people the wrong way and he's, he rubs teammates the wrong way for, whatever specific reasons maybe he he hustles so much he makes them look bad sometimes <laughs> who knows but i wouldn't do it for colin sexton now look i i mentioned moses moody right so if you think that you can get him at eight then why not trade back then if you don't if you can't move up and get jalen green then why not trade back with okc and get six and 16 or trade back with golden state and get seven and 14 like that's sure. that should be an option and People are going to be like, well, we already have a, a lot of young guys anyway. Look, there's, I think, 11 guys under contract going into the offseason for the Magic. I mean, maybe a couple of those guys you'll bring, you'll, you'll end up re-signing, like you know, maybe Mo Wagner or something. But you still got r- room on the roster for young guys. You got room on the roster for veterans that you need to sign. I would, you know, and so I, I'm not going to trade for Colin Sexton, but I would think about trading back. If, you, if you're not going to be able to move up and get Jalen Green, there's – there's some good, really good guys that I would deem to be underrated uh, that you can trade back and get that probably are actually as good, if not better players than guys that are going to be drafted ahead of them. And then, and then Al, just to spin it to you, um, are you open to taking back a bad contract? Is that, is that the right pathway to, to kind of, you know, find a way to move up into the draft? I definitely would. I think you can never uh, assure yourself of what we think Jalen Green is, which is it's the closest thing to a sure thing for the Magic, right? So if that's what it takes, I'm I'm really okay with that because we have a ton of cap space next next summer. But for what? If we have a bunch of young guys and we don't make the playoffs again, you're not going to get a start coming to Orlando. It's just not going to happen. So the best way to secure that is, hey, let's take a bad contract for one or two years, but get a guy that you really like in Jalen Green or, heck, Cade, whoever it may be, to Orlando. So yeah, I, that would be a no doubter for me. Now um, I was reading a report earlier today. So you, it, it's crazy because mock drafts from all these different outlets, they're really there. No one's reading out of the same book. Everyone has like their own thoughts and philosophies and, and wisdom of who they think is going to go where. Um, but I found it interesting because Sam Amico 
today um, stated that, you know, Kaminga had a really good workout with the Cavs, really good workout, and could be a potential pick for the Cavs. At the same time, Jonathan Wasserman is saying that, you know, a lot of these front offices are getting scared of Jonathan Kaminga. Um, they don't think that he can be professional enough, and they don't think that, you know, he's going to be able to have the drive and the ability to really fill that that build in that body that he has and has him dropping all the way to seven. So, Adam, if your choice is between Jonathan Kaminga and Scotty Barnes, and this question is coming in from uh, D Dog Magic, Magic and W256. <laughs> might be it, might be not. Very long name. But uh, who are you selecting between the two? Who is a safer pick, Jonathan Kaminga or Scotty Barnes? I think it's still Kaminga. Um, Barnes, for me, look, the Magic already have kind of the forward positions covered from a defensive perspective, right? You bo- you have Jonathan Isaac, who is a walking defensive player of the year candidate if he actually can stay on the court. And then you've got Chumo Kiki as well, who we know can defend very well. And so when I look at Scotty, Scotty Barnes, he's look, he's like six, nine, he's got like a seven, two wingspan, I think, but he, he can't shoot. Like his shooting mechanics are awful. It would take a ridiculous amount of, of, of just rehab. Just, you have to build the shot from the beginning. The, the man can't shoot. And then from a scoring perspective, he needs the ball in his hands so much to actually be effective. Like, I, unless you think this guy is going to be Giannis Adetokounmpo on offense, I I just would not go for Scotty Barnes. And I know people say, you know, Barnes competes. He's got a very high motor. You know what? Other guys in the draft do the same thing. Like, you know, and I don't want to keep saying Moody. It's getting really annoying. They almost have to keep repeating <laughs> it. But, um, but I think Kaminga showed – well, first off, Kaminga playing in the G League – is higher competition than than the competition Scotty Barnes went you know went with in college. You know, with with that G League bubble, there was some very 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 good uh, you know good rosters in there from guys that had a lot of international experience or young guys trying to make the league. And so Kaminga, yeah, his his sh- his shooting form is a lot better than Scotty Barnes. I put it that way. You know, he didn't shoot Kaminga didn't shoot it great from three point range, but the possibilities are there. And I just think his skills on both ends of the floor overall work better, not not just for the league, but also for, from the Magic roster perspective. I think Kaminga could fit in better than Barnes would. I would agree. I, I think Kaminga would have the better fit. I think what intrigues me about Scotty Barnes is the fact that, you know, he is able to play, you know, one through five, maybe potentially five, uh, excuse me, one through four, maybe potentially five. I like the fact that he he can handle the ball a little bit. I like the fact that he sees himself as as kind of a point forward. It just does, you know, it, it, there's a lot of question marks with the shooting. And do you really want to add another player into your young roster already that, that struggles with the shooting? So um, I'm going to kick it to you. I already see you shaking your head, so I kind of know which way that you're going to fall. If it's yeah. between Kaminga and Barnes, which way are you sliding? It'd be an easy one. So we've had this debate the last few episodes. And again, a lot to like about Barnes, the high energy, the, the way that he plays the game. It's, it's again, you get excited by seeing him play on the court. Like you think about Cole Anthony and him together on the court. That would be amazing to watch. But again, we, we as a team, we cannot afford that right now. We have way too many guys that do the same thing, that are high energy, play defense, are long, but yet cannot shoot the ball. So I would go with Kaminga because of the potential that he has. He can shoot a little better. And again, the ceiling is much higher to me. Um, 
I can never see Barnes being anything better than Aaron Gordon. And I'm talking about Orlando's Aaron Gordon. So, um, yeah, I, I again, my opinion is go with Kaminga. I think it's a, it's more of a chance to get a star player in this league than Barnes would be. Yeah, so Kaminga has already worked out for the Cavs. Um, he was in Toronto um, today um, working out with them. And then um, he – so I would imagine if he's working out with Toronto and they're in Tampa – that the next, the just logistically, the next step would be to stop by Orlando and and kind of work out there. So hopefully, we hear a little bit more about you know how that workout went. Now, Adam, we're gonna jump into our our fire drill where we're gonna ask you a couple questions. Doesn't need to be fast paced, but we're we're just gonna send you rapid questions back to back. Okay. So the first one is favorite Orlando Magic player of all time, Penny Hardaway. It's, Good answer. Uh, it's pretty easy. The first Magic game I ever attended. It was uh, in the 1997 playoffs, Game 3, when when Penny put up a 40 spot, and I thought Ronnie Cycli died, but the Magic won the game. So uh, that that man, I love that man. So it's and he's going to be a future Magic head coach one day. Not yet, but it's going to happen. Were you on the fence for him becoming the uh, becoming the next head coach of the Atlanta Magic? Were you for it or against it? What side was, of the Civil War were you on? I was very for it, and. Uh, and it it almost had nothing to do with with the with this with the magic fanhood honestly like i i really i really wanted to put that aside because if you look at just his journey he went from he didn't want to get involved in coaching and then if anyone's seen the e60 piece from years ago you know he got involved in the in, in middle school coaching because his, his friend was 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 sick and then from there he got into high school and now he's you know he's had success there and in aau and now he's in memphis and the man really loves that area. He he loves his alma mater, and he really genuinely wants to win an NCAA title. And hopefully, he does that so that then he could take this magic job. But the he and look, Jamal Mosley is is showing that he's he's a player's coach. He wants to develop. He wants to make these guys not just great guys on the court but great guys off the court and penny kind of operates in the same way it's just penny has that experience of being literally the you know at one point the best player in the nba to then you know having all these decimating injuries that 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 curtailed what should have been a hall of fame career to still being able to grind out you grind it out for like another 10 years on a bum knee and still have you know a, a fairly respectable nba career so he has kind of all spectrums covered from an NBA perspective. He knows what it's like to be a star. He knows what it's like to be a rookie. He's one, you know, he's been he he he's had success at from a rookie level as well. So, you know, I I think he's going to be an awesome NBA head coach one day. He just didn't feel like he 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 wanted to do it yet. He he has unfinished business in Memphis, and hopefully, when that time comes for him to go you know, to hop into the NBA, it'll be with the Magic. Yeah, and I, I hope so, too. My fear with this passion for Memphis is that it also feels as if Memphis feels entitled um, and, and a responsibility to be also. So my fear is one day him deciding to be the head coach of the Memphis Grizzlies. Who knows? Now, this uh, this next one, I kind of feel like I already know where, where your response is kind of going to go with this one. But uh, 1995 Orlando Magic team versus 2010 Orlando Magic team. Who wins? Uh, it's the 1995 Orlando magic, uh, because I don't think the 2010 magic team is better than the 2009 magic team that actually made it to the NBA finals, but 
got it, uh, there's a lot of people that disagree with me, including uh, for you know, including former Magic players like JJ Redick. They they think 2010 is better than 09, but I disagree. Uh, but from a 90, 1995 perspective, it's I mean, you know, may, maybe 2010 has a slight depth advantage, but you know, who on the on the 2010 Magic is guarding Penny? Uh, and then you have a physically imposing Shaq against against Dwight, which look Dwight versus Shaq when Shaq was kind of over the hill, uh, when, when when Dwight was at the peak of his powers, still gave him problems. You know, if you have a prime Shaq going up against a prime Dwight, it, it, it's prime. It's prime. It's prime Shaq. Like we we can't. And then you still you know that ninety five team was a very modern team where you had guys that could shoot like Nick and 3D and Brian Shaw. And then you still had, you know, you know Horace Grant hitting 18-footers, maybe not the prettiest thing in the world, but he would he would fight for, for rebounds. It'd be interesting to see how how that Richard Lewis-Horace Grant matchup would go. But um, And then you'd probably have Nick Garden, Garden Hito, but I'm taking 95. I am. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I, I think that's a tough game. I, we wish we could watch that game and see kind of how that would turn out. It would be fun for Magic fans, but I agree with you. I think the 95 team for sure takes it. Uh, two more for you before we wrap up. So um, first one, if you weren't an Orlando Magic fan, what other team would you be a fan of in the NBA? Um, it's actually probably wouldn't be that difficult for me. It, it'd be the Philadelphia 76ers. So um, I'm already uh, a fan. Uh, Phillies, Eagles, uh, Flyers fan for, from a Philly perspective. Uh, when my dad's side of the family uh, migrated from Greece to the U.S. back in 1970, it was it was in Philadelphia. So they were in Philadelphia from 1970 to 1985, and then uh, when the time came for my dad and my uncle to to move uh, elsewhere, uh, they picked Orlando. So, uh, but I, I kept kind of that Philly diehard root stuff. Uh, so it'd be the Sixers and yeah, it's, it'd be, it'd be Philly. It'd be the Sixers. So let me I, ask I, you. I don't know why I thought that just because I, I know that you have some, some Greek roots in you. Uh, I don't know why I was thinking Milwaukee. Me too. <laughs> I was thinking well, Milwaukee. I, I love I Giannis Adetokounmpo, you- but the, but it's, I, I, I'm a, I like Philly, man. I, it's, uh, you know, I, I'm always, I always put the magic first. I'm a diehard magic fan. I'll cry like a little girl, like a little baby <laughs> when the magic win the title. But, uh, you know, if, if I had, if, if say like the magic disbanded or something, like I, I I'd pick the Sixers. I, it's, it, it wouldn't be too, too tough to do that. Makes sense. Last one for you. So favorite memory during your time covering the magic. Man, um, gosh, I, I mean, we had, that's, that's, I've got a list. So covering Orlando Summer League's fun. If you've never been able to go to Orlando Summer League or cover Orlando Summer League, it's fun. But from an actual moment, oh man, um, it's probably going to be the, the Tobias Harris dunk game winner against OKC. So when that happened, uh, the way the media seating worked is you were actually up in the upper bowl. So sometimes you, you know, if you didn't get into the elevator in, in time at when the game ended, you actually wouldn't make it to the locker room. So there's a situation where you're sprinting to the elevator to get into the locker room. And it, it, it was, it was pretty crazy, but um, there's some, there's been some funny people that have been in that locker room. Like you have, 
Kylo Quinn was just a one one line machine uh, in that locker room, and I'll always remember that my first uh, media interview ever was Daquan Jones, and little did I know he'd actually make the the Magic roster that preseason when nobody expected it. But um, I, I'm going to go from just a moment. It, it's going to be that that game where where uh, we beat OKC because the the locker room was buzzing. There were some. Unless you you go into a locker room after just a moment like that, like it's it's really tough to explain it. That must have been a crazy moment because when we asked that same question to to Philip uh, Rosman, right, he gave us that exact same response. He he actually right. mentioned that he, that you and him were both in the elevator together. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, he, him, I, and uh, I think uh, yeah, Zach Oliver. I think we were just grabbed our our, our, our bags and our laptops and. You know, usually security does a good job of actually holding the, the elevators for us media, and, and, and they did. We, we made it but because otherwise then you're just waiting uh, like with everybody else to, to get down the elevators. But it, it's fun. It, it's a, you, you gain just a, a bigger appreciation for just how the NBA operates and just how, how great these guys are, be it through watching them through kind of practice situations, be it being able to watch them up close, maybe if you're lucky for a close media seat. Um, and then just seeing just all the pressures they got to deal with, all the attention they got to deal with. And it's, it's fun. It's, if you can, if you're, a, if you want to be an aspiring journalist or writer and you want to cover the, the league for a living, um, it's, it, it's a fun experience for sure. Now, Adam, just to wrap this up, Let's get your final predictions. What do you think ends up happening? Let's put it on the record. What are your final predictions? If we're taking a look at the uh, the the Golden Snow Globe, looking into the future, what will the Magic do? Oh uh, man, put your, put your name and stamp on it. <laughs> you know what? I I think I think Weltman's going to go for it. I think he's going to trade. He's going to he's going to package five, eight, and the Bulls pick with. To, to and to jump up to two to Houston to get Jalen Green, I think he's going to do it. Um, and then we're going to probably take back a bad contract like Eric Gordon. But it's I, I, it's whatever it's going to take. He, I think we're trading up to two and we're going to get Jalen Green. And I think we're actually going to keep thirty three. And I'll say we we draft uh, Jason Preston, the, uh, the the local guy from yeah, went to the University yeah, of Ohio. Yeah. So I like it. That's that's my prediction. I'm ambitious. I, I hopefully they are too. I like it. That's it. Make it happen. Speak it to existence is now all over the air. So hopefully it does happen. I agree with you. I think that uh, if you're going to swing big right now is the time to do it. Adam, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. If you want to hear more from Adam, please, please, please check out his podcast, Opinion Pops podcast available on all social media platforms. Everywhere, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, everywhere. Whatever you can hear a podcast, you can can hear the Penny and Pops podcast for sure. Awesome. You're very active on Twitter. What is your Twitter handle so that they can follow you there too? That's the most underrated statement of the show. I am very active on Twitter, (laughs) sometimes too active, but it's at uh, Papa Giorgio MBO. And it would be my entire last name, Adam Papa Giorgio, but Twitter only allows 15 characters instead of 16. (laughs) Yes, too. That's too much. That's too much. We don't want anyone <laughs> to misspell in, not be able to to be able to track you down. Adam, thank you so much for joining us. It's a wrap. Till next week. 
Thank you for listening to the Ozone Podcast, the voice of magic fans. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Ozone Pod. And remember to subscribe and leave a five-star review on all your favorite podcast listening platforms. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.